Well, hello and welcome to Twitter Magic Tales, the podcast where we speak to people who I've met on Twitter and I found very impressive, but I haven't actually met in real life yet. So I thought I would introduce you to Jen Stirrup, Jennifer or Jen Stirrup. Uh, she's the founder and CEO of Data Relish. Uh, she's a global keynote speaker and influencer, and she's a trusted advisor in AI, data science and business intelligence, which might sound like gobbledygook to some of you but in other words she's a fantastic woman in tech and she is flying it all over the world with representing women in tech and she also was named on the top 50 list for women in tech with me yay well we were together on the same list basically hi jen how are you hello there i'm so glad to be here and it's great to get the chance to talk to you and congratulations to you as well for making the list i was really pleased we were both on it. I'm still adjusting. Um, it took me probably about five hours to recover from the imposter syndrome. So I didn't tweet or anything about it because I went all shy. But I'm really pleased <laughs> to, to have been recognised and hopefully as good things will come of it. Yeah, it is nice to be recognized, isn't it? And people don't realize it, you know, um, like you said, you were a little bit, oh, well, I tweet about it, whereas I tweeted about it straight away. So we all have different personalities and different kind of areas of confidence. Whereas when you talk about AI data science, I just go, okay, I don't know what Jen is talking about here. So we all have different skill sets. And that's why it's important for us to surround ourselves with people who are who, who know different things and, and are better than us, actually. So like on my team, I have people who are better at Instagram, for example, because I'm not good at Instagram. And, you know, like we all have our skill sets. So I know for you, Jen, tell us a little bit about, I love the accent, by the way, tell us a little bit about Jen and tell us a little bit about yourself? So I was brought up in Kilmarnock in the southwest of Scotland. It's not a very uh, nice area. In some ways there's a lot of poverty, a lot quite depressed depression in the area. It used to be a big uh, manufacturing area but of course that's gone now. So I think I got excited about technology when I was quite young because I felt it would be a good career and something that I could really use in order to travel. I've been so desperate all my life to learn about other cultures and other people. Mm. And I didn't want to be stuck at home in Kilmarnock. So decided education was the way out. And I've honestly not stopped learning ever since. I still feel there's so many things I'd like to learn, which I am doing every single day. I don't think I'd have it any other way though. Oh, that's brilliant. And yes, I agree. It's great. You have to, we have to, we're learning every day, aren't we? Anyway, I mean, especially this year, oh my goodness. And um, yeah, it's actually, that's uh, funny because I grew up in an area that would be similar. Um, and yes, it, it just shows you, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you want to succeed, you can succeed, but with the right maybe direction, the night, the right support. And I didn't get any support, I have to say, when I started out. But it, that's why it's important for people like us, Jen, to kind of lead the way and inspire the next generation and show them. So you're a great example of that, you know, that you can, it doesn't matter where you're from, if you have the drive to succeed and you want to learn, you can do well. So well done. Well done. Thank you. And well done to you too, because it is hard. And I think... Um, I don't know about you, but I used to look at myself and I think, well, what's the alternative if I don't try? I'll have failed if I don't at least try to have a career and do good things in my life. 
and that was where I was coming from because I think yeah. if you do if you have been have grown up in quite a poor background you can really take that and then it can shape you but you can also make decisions on how you treat other people <gasps> yes yes I think that's, that's really important that's a huge part of yes and, and and when I started in business I found that there you know there weren't many female leaders that actually reached out to me uh, like it was actually men who actually sat down and had a cup of tea with me and listened to my crazy ideas, you know, more than the women. So I want to be that woman that I needed to meet when I started my business. So we, we have the ability to, to do that and fly the flag and you're doing it fantastically. So um, I actually saw an article of yours recently all about, um, and I do a lot of events, you see, uh, and I, that's why I caught my eye, increasing intersectionality at tech community events. Can you tell me what intersectionality means for anyone listening? Yes, I'm, I should say before I get started, I'm still learning about this. Mm. But the idea is that people's characteristics can combine and that can have a negative um, impact on the individual. For example, the data shows that women of colour can earn less than white women and also women of different backgrounds um, can also earn even less. So it seems to me that when I started to look at diversity and inclusion in the workplace, that actually people focused on one characteristics rather than the, a combination of characteristics. So for me, I thought, uh, I think it's important not to just have a checkbox approach to it. I don't know if you find this, but I find sometimes people want to speak to you because you're female and you think, well, am I just here to tick a box somewhere? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I don't want that either because I think, well, yes, I am female, that's part of me. But obviously there's a lot of skills and experience that I want to share. And you write about being the person that you would uh, like to be helping. You'd like to be the leader that you would like to be led by. And I think that's something that's quite important. It's like, what, how, how do I come across to other people? I think mm. that's so important. Because I think having been from a very poor background, you can either use um, that experience to make you kinder and more giving and more generous, or you can use that background as an excuse to be a taker. Mm. And I think the world is quite generally split up into givers and takers. And I think the givers are winning. I think this is our moment. Hundred, especially I think especially since the pandemic, I think this is sorting. Excuse the sorting the men out from the boys, so to speak. In that the people like us who have been online and being there and being present have been um, has been huge. I've been saying this all year, you know, like when the pandemic hit, for example, I didn't just sit down. I started doing webinars to kind of help people uh, to get online. And, and, and I actually got clients from it, too. Like I have clients now I've never met in real life, which is quite funny. But at the same time, yeah, I, I, I feel that for you, um, Jen, you know, it is it's it's are you going to become that person and then you don't want to become too kind and too like you don't want to be a, a, 
a walk, a pushover either. And so it's hard to get that balance, isn't it, as well? Um, but at the same time, I do see the tick box, the box ticking thing as well, because uh, I remember I was asked to speak at an event and I was like, hmm, am I the only woman actually? And they were like, oh, oh you are. And they hadn't, it hadn't even entered their heads. I was like, I think it might be a good idea to get a few more women I know some really good women that can talk about this topic and it hadn't even entered their heads so it's the awareness isn't it as well yeah you're right you must think about this when you're organizing events I know I, I used to organize events I don't now I find it really tiring actually um but I used to think about actively seeking out female speakers I didn't notice that people from certain backgrounds were less likely to put themselves forward to speak yes yes yeah and I've actually asked people to speak and then they've backed out. Oh, no. And I don't know if that's a confidence thing or, you know, but there is, uh, yeah, the, the, I agree. There, like, there are certain people that just, they, you know, there, there's a bit of fear there. Um, so, yeah, so we need to kind of help these people too and, and give them that bit of confidence, you know. Um, so, Jen, tell us about, uh, so the events, I, and by the way, it is very tiring. So anyone in the events industry who's listening, they will understand totally what you're talking about. Um, I actually find the online events much easier and less stressful because it's not your bodily energy as such, it's your mental energy. But, you know, you don't have to be going, greeting people and stuff. But anyway, um, yeah, so you were in the events industry. So you, you saw this happening around you it did and what i've come to the conclusion is that a lot of the format of events especially in person is mm. actually very white male oriented mm -hmm. where the authority figure goes up in the stage everybody listens this person pontificates they take questions and then they walk the rope like their celebrity and I thought I'm just so uncomfortable with that so I, I started off um, deciding I was going to change things and if people didn't like it I would just apologize afterwards and if yep. they're really lucky that I might mean it <laughs> so I decided that actually informal round tables should be a large component of my events and actually found that it was so much easier to get women involved as leaders and facilitators, because it's a very collaborative thing to be part of a panel or a round table. You're all leaving the ego at the door, pretty mm -hmm. much. I always say that at my events. I always say, okay, everybody leave your ego at the door. Today is about helping each other. I always say that at the start. That's funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, because I believe that. And I think um, when people are on the stage, they sometimes can believe their own hype. I do see that. But yeah. The round tables were incredibly useful because I could say to women who said, I'm not speaking at a tech conference in front of, you know, hundreds of people. And they say, well, could you maybe host a round table of maybe a group of eight business leaders? attending the event and that was much more likely to get a positive answer so I did get 50% women at events because I broke the traditional one person speaking everyone else listening sort of model and I think it was about actively seeking out people from different backgrounds and you know we had different different racial backgrounds as well because I feel that's important yes um, I'm holding a, an event actually well a panel on intersectionality in two weeks and what I have done is I've assembled uh, everyone has got something about them a unique superpower you might call it so one uh, participant is deaf and wow. I've 
had to think really carefully about how that how the logistics of that occur things like captioning what's the best captioning tool um, and I've had to lean quite heavily on people in my network to try and understand better mm -hmm. how I can be inclusive I've also um, got a uh, some women from different backgrounds, uh, some are from India, who have moved out abroad, and I've got a gentleman who's from India, he still lives there. So I've tried to assemble a cast of different perspectives, and we are going to talk about how the combinations of characteristics um, can work against you. But I don't want it to be a pity party, I want it to be more about helping people to understand. And I don't want to give a guideline stroke checkbox. Yeah. To be either, because that shows that people have got a saucer deep understanding of the topic. And I want to dive deep. And I thought oh, this should be an opportunity for people to speak and say, well, this is how you can make things easier for me in the workplace. Or this is the sort of thing uh, that, um, don't do this in the workplace because that makes me uncomfortable. It's something that I saw recently. I was working with a customer and one of the women is a really strong, brilliant woman of colour, but she was just talked over the whole time and I see that happening. So right. I do try and make a conscious effort to say, and what do you think? And yes. And people in the yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you think that maybe virtual events are better. It'd be more inclusive than in-person ones. It's something I do think so because, um, you know, you can get so many different cultures and people joining from all over the world. I think that's why, because, you know, it might be, it's just easier for them to buy a ticket and attend online than have to travel, the children or whatever. And actually another thing I do is with my Women's Inspire events, we had a lady who asked me, could she bring her baby? Because she just had a baby and so I said yeah sure I said well you know just in case if someone's speaking and the baby starts crying if you wouldn't mind just you know uh, letting the people hear the speaker that would be great but yeah of course you can and the photographer just kept taking that baby had the best day ever he was passed around he was everyone was all over and and you know that the mom had the most important thing was the mom had a great time and there's some lovely photos actually of her with the, the sling and the baby smiling up at the stage listening. So she was she felt included. And I was like, yeah, of course she can come. Why? Why? would you know, I didn't even get that, you know, even question. You know, there was no question, but she was being polite by asking me. And then mm -hmm. I was at another event where a lady had just had a new baby and she was doing a presentation and she had the baby on the baby carrier so things like that I feel are important and I remember I had a girl as well that we were doing a presentation and she rang me the day before the conference and she said look I I, I don't think I can do tomorrow um, I just wanted to let you know I've loads of tattoos and I was like and I said I did I don't want you speaking because you have tattoos I want you speaking because you're really shit hot at what you do you know and that's why I wanted her there you know so Things like that, you know, it, it is changing, though. I think it is changing slowly, too slow. But, you know, yeah, I'm a single parent. My son is 16, actually, in two weeks. So I have taken him to events. Uh, some people did complain because they said, well, we feel we can't swear if your son is present. And I thought, well, perhaps you shouldn't be behaving so unprofessionally anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah, interesting. So yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. But I took him along because I thought, well, I want him to see that um, 
I'm out doing things and hopefully that inspires. So he has attended a few conferences, one in Paris and actually to come to Las Vegas when I was speaking there. And you know what? Everybody at the conference was wonderful to him. Yes, and exactly. I'm really grateful. I think it adds something nice if family members are there. Yeah. People seem to let the guards down a little bit maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, you see them playing, like making funny faces at this child. It's so funny, you know. But like, yeah, it's 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 amazing. So um, yeah, so we'll we'll keep leading the way. So uh <laughs> so well, the best to look with that that event, that panel, um, let me know when that is and I'll retweet it for you. Uh, because we like to help each other here on Twitter Magic Tales and spread the word about anything good that's happening. So 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 the inter okay, so that word kind of caught me, you know, um the inter intersectionality it was the first time i saw that word jen yes now there's quite an interesting um lineage of academic um literature on this and it's been going for about 30 years and um, i feel that um it's something that i don't know as much about as i would like i would really like to learn more about it so i thought well mm. i'm going to start blogging about it it seems to have had a resurgence recently, and I think that's a good thing because I believe um, that we've gone down this checkbox checklist approach for too long. But it's all about um, how we respond to different parts of people's identity and mm -hmm. how that each of those can be discriminated against. And that has quite difficult negative outcomes, particularly the combination. So I think sometimes diversity and inclusion can become a marketing tool. And I don't think that's right. Because right. I think, yeah, I think that sometimes people can use that to show that they are perhaps a really nice business. But then when they are looking at certain things, but not others, or perhaps not treating staff very well, you think the diversity and inclusion piece is not part of their DNA and it should be mm. and I think the intersectionality piece is something that we can all learn more about I know I am because I think it affects everything we do for example even in the workplace so when the person who coined that term her name is Kimberly Crenshaw uh, she started to talk about this 30 years ago and I thought this is something that's new to me as well and I don't understand why this isn't more prevalent and when we talk about community online but I think the reason for that is is because people got hung up in thinking about people in terms of one axis without thinking about beyond that so I sometimes see people saying things like oh we're just going to look at women in technology and then we'll look at other issues and then I think hang on a minute that just means you're looking at white women and that erases the voices of women of different backgrounds so I think that's really started to make me feel really uncomfortable there's a lot of wage inequality as well so for example we know that women earn less than men in the US uh, white women earn 81 percent for every dollar that a, a white man earns but for Hispanic women, Alaska Native, American Indian, and Black women and African American, they actually earn 75 cents for every dollar that a white man earns. Mm. And actually, if uh, we keep going as we are now, the white women will reach gender parity with pay in the year 2059, too far away. 2059? 
but I won't yeah. be here then. <laughs> for black women, it's worse. It's 21.30. And for Hispanic women, it's 22.24, two centuries away before we reach gender um, parity with men mm. in terms of pay. And for me, that is just, uh, my mind is boggling about that. And the wage inequality is also quite visible for people with disabilities in the workplace um, as well. And so men, for example, who have got disabilities, who have got a Bangladeshi background in the UK, their pay gap will be 56% compared with non-disabled white men. And that's just pay. We start to look at professional development. Uh, so black women tend to have less access to training opportunities. They receive less mentorship and less sponsorship. And also they've got less frequent opportunities to interact with leaders in the workplace. So they get fewer opportunities because like we said just before we started, we interacted or do interact with their business leaders. And I think something that I've been reading about is, you know, how can we reach out to people from different backgrounds because of the inequalities of access that people to have to growing a good network. But I know that's something, growing a network is something you're passionate about. We can see that online, you know, helping people to connect and learn and share. And it's something that I think um, I'm trying to do and learning more about. You know, it's so important and um, and it's so we're, we're just going to dip into social media there now that you've mentioned it Um, you know, it's so important to help others. But, you know, there can be not everybody is nice and not everybody is kind and not every like there can be people who can like trolls and people who can actually really could even destroy your day with just one comment, you know, if you take it on board. So, um. I, I speak about this a lot and how to deal with trolls. Do you have any advice? Um, because I'm sure uh, you, uh, when you start becoming successful, I'm sure you notice that people do start to, you start to see these people come out from the woodwork. It's like, who are these people? You know, and it's like, they're trying to drag you back down again, get back down. You know, you're going way above your station there. Uh, so yeah, have you had any experience with that? Quite a lot, actually. Um, I've come to a conclusion um, that people who are happy and well-rounded don't behave badly in social media. That's and true. they are authentic. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I think when I see people behaving badly towards me, uh, for example, writing comments and blogs or things like that, I just think, you're not a happy well-rounded person and that's not something that perhaps I can help you with so the my inclination is to block sometimes report and I keep a Me screenshot too. yeah uh, I think I've triggered or upset you in some way and I am the symptom but not the cause of what's going on here so I'm just going to leave you to it you can roll on by there's a book in um, the art of war um Sun Tzu. classic yes I couldn't think how to pronounce the name which is terrible <laughs> and it's a great book actually it's full of wisdom and I'd like to relate that more to social media I think that's a book in itself yeah because there's a bit about um timing and how you spend your energy and it talks about your enemies um are like a boulder rolling down the hill and you should just stand back and let them roll by because if you 
chase after them. Uh, you are likely to expend energy, which you could spend doing in other things. And for me, that's how I've been dealing with some of the harassment and bullying over the years that I've seen online. My recommendation is treat them like the boulder in the art of war um, and let them roll by. You can't stop them. The only thing you can be grateful for is while they're attacking you, they're not attacking someone else who's more vulnerable. And I think that is something that I try to say, okay, so today's my day to get it from that person. At least it's not someone else. This has been sent my way because I can cope with it. I don't yeah. know what you think about that, but I've tried to take a mature and sort of distant approach from it to detach well, myself. What I do right is if it's if it's a genuine customer complaint that's different you engage and you take it offline but if it's a troll and i see i can with experience you can spot the trolls anyway you just look at their tweets like there's like a soccer player on the profile there's no followers there's no website no information i just block them i don't even engage like uh because i just gave up i just said no i'm not even gonna engage just you're blocked it's like real life you know just get those people out of your life who are causing you who who make you feel drained afterwards or who hurt you you know, um, so I just blocked them. That's it. And uh, I have an article all about how to deal with uh, trolls uh, because it is important that people understand, look, these are people that are not happy. They're just they have nothing to do. They're just seeing they're just jealous. Most of them. And a lot of them can be men when it comes to me, which is, you know, but I just know how to deal with them. Maybe I just got a bit harder. I just like I just advise people if they ring me, they might be upset. I was like, don't worry about her. Even if she's loads of followers, it doesn't matter. No one's really listening to her. They're probably just watching to see what she's going to do next. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, she makes herself look crazy, you know, rather than like, just ignore, you know. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. But, you know, um, we're actually coming to the end of our interview already. Um, so I feel like how could we help you people listening or what what could we do to help you, Jen? You know, actually getting to connect and learn uh, from people like you has been the biggest thing for me. So I want to say thank you for having me today. I think if it wasn't for people like you sharing online, um, I think people like me would find it quite a lonely place. I do have to say that social media mm. cheers up my day because I'll see and um, I notice if you've retweeted something or um and it makes someone's day doesn't it doesn't it yeah. when you get a retweet and then when other people start commenting like you're that was really popular today when i retweeted that because uh, people are reading it which is lovely so it makes it's good it's good for everybody uh, i don't know why people don't do it more <laughs> it's like why don't they do it um so yeah no no problem um, but Annie so if people want to follow you I'll put your Twitter handle and stuff into the uh, podcast and thanks for, you're actually helping me today everybody just so you know I did put a little message into a group that we're in and I said look I'm, I'm kickstarting my podcast again would anyone like to be interviewed so you're actually helping me today as well so thank you Jen that's what it's about well, thank you thank you for having me along it's been great to speak with you and finally meet you at last. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so thank you so much. If anyone wants to check out Jen, she's on Twitter. She's on other social media platforms as well. But uh, do check her out at uh, Jen's jenstirrup.com. Uh, the links will be in this podcast. And thank you so much, Jen, for your time. <laughs>